0: Following a tour de force off Broadway show, Chris Gethard Career Suicide is coming to HBO. Looking to destigmatize issues like depression and suicide while still being incredibly funny, Chris Gethard opens up his, about his mental health struggles in this one man show that's personal, raw, and provocative. Chris Gethard Career Suicide found its roots in an anonymous letter that Chris received when a fan had asked him a very personal question about depression. His public response went viral and encouraged him to start telling stories about the darker moments in his life, merging blunt, unapologetic honesty about mental health with his signature brand of comedy. Chris's comedy and more than a decade of stand-up experience cuts through the dark subject matter. Chris Gethard's Career Suicide premieres on Saturday, May 6th at 10 p.m. on HBO. (laughs) Welcome to Anywhere is very good television podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizlet on the Twitters.
1: And I'm Ben Travers at Ben T. Travers on the Twitters.
0: And happy Monday. Hope you had a wonderful weekend of uh, watching television. There's a lot of stuff to watch this weekend.
1: I mean, there's always just the two things, Liz.
0: The leftovers of what? The. And also dear white people. I mean. You gave dear white people an A.
1: I kind of assume people already did that on Friday, so. My bad. (laughs)
0: And uh, you know, there's also *The Handmaid's Tale* to Whatever. watch.
1: You're done with that too. It happened on Wednesday.
0: Ben very much lives in the moment, you guys. I am. He's like Adrian Grenier. That's why he never posts never on Twitter.
1: Never ever say that to me again. <laughs> that is the worst <laughs> thing you've ever said to me. I take deep offense, and you're in timeout. Mute. <laughs>
0: I've literally called you a How human monster. This? Well,
1: that's. I mean, uh, at the very least, those are equivalent things. How do I mute this thing? I can't... All right, fuck it. We'll keep going.
0: <laughs> Anyways, there's a lot of TV going on right now, and I feel like the if, if you've been following coverage of it, there I feel like the number one word you've probably been hearing is the word relevant. Oh, like this show is more relevant in these times than ever before. And I mean, Ben, can, like, can tell me like three shows are right off the top of your head that you've heard that aside into.
1: Dear White People. Yeah. <laughs> uh, gorilla. Oh, really? You bet. Oh. Handmaid's Tale.
0: Handmaid's Tale, yeah, definitely.
1: Leftovers.
0: Leftovers, yeah. Beep. More relevant than ever. Mm,
1: there's so many more. What I mean, else is basically right now?
0: every TV show they've that they, 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 these days, like
1: oh they, yeah, you're right. Kevin can wait puts that in its advertisements.
0: <laughs> Actually, Kevin can wait might be the exception to the
1: rule. <laughs> Kevin, never mind. I can't. You were make, you
0: at, how, how, were you like make, pulling back on the shit talking of uh, Kevin can wait?
1: Not just Kevin can wait. I was gonna make a joke that I shouldn't make, so we'll continue.
0: Oh man, well we'll talk about that later. You know it. Ah, uh, maybe. You do. Uh, point you is that do point is here. Here's here's my legit question, and this is this is a per, this is just me expressing my personal feelings. This is this is me telling my truth, if you will.
1: It's Liz's birthday, so she gets to do that. Just ha- this once. Happy birthday, Liz.
0: Thank you, Ben.
1: This is all you get.
0: <laughs> I, get I get. No, you made cupcakes too. Yeah, whatever. Ben makes. Ben is an excellent baker, friends. Yeah. No, he made excellent red velvet cupcakes. They were delightful.
1: They yes. had little googly eyes on them. That's just the secret ingredient talking, Liz.
0: <laughs> ben, ben will not confirm whether or not he he spiked the cupcakes in any way. But I'm having a great day. Is what the point? Yeah.
1: Think about that.
0: <laughs> Anyways, um,
1: your question, your truth, your feelings.
0: Might go. It is. I'm kind of tired of all the shows having to be relevant like and i feel like this is a very this is very much a factor of the current political climate we're in where it's like every artist every creator every filmmaker working right now has a perspective on where we are right now as a society not just in terms of america but in terms of the world like if you look at what's happening in europe what's happening in other countries like europe's not a country other areas of the globe point is things are weird and crazy and maybe scary and everyone wants to have an opinion about it and maybe their opinion they just want to tie into the fact that they're also creating this TV show and i'm i'm in this place right now where it's not that necessarily that i don't want to engage with all these topics but i'm wondering how that affects the way we look at these shows
1: well it's 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 also a question you've got to back up and look at from the perspective of, are we talking about the shows in this way because that's how we see them? Like mm-hmm. the political climate not only is influencing the way that show, some shows are branded, which is a it's just a big question that we're going to dig into very shortly, but it's also affecting how, you know, we as critics, we as the people look at television and say, well, this is clearly a commentary on X, Y, and Z, or this uh, clearly isn't, even though I cannot help but see it that way because... You know, the political culture is so overwhelmingly, uh, like, part of our lives. Like, it's just something that we're all so engaged in that you have to see everything through a little bit of a different lens. And um, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's definitely a two-sided sword. Like, you're talking about There's there's people who are taking advantage of this and using it to try to, you know— Build credibility behind their show and prestige, and drive conversation. And then there's other people who don't want anything to do with it, but it becomes a part of their show. And how that affects the perception of the show is a is a big deal.
0: Right. I mean, this is where we get we're going to talk about the handmaid's tale, because this is actually this is a fascinating. You told
1: me we were going to talk about the leftovers. We'll get to that. But
0: we're going to get to it. We'll get to it. God. Fine. Um, the thing with The leftover is... Well, <laughs> <laughs> I gotcha.
1: The thing with The Leftovers is it's the best show on television.
0: There you go. I got you that. Um, but okay, but the thing about The Handmaid's Tale is we've seen this. There's been actually a really fascinating shift in the messaging around this show uh, since uh, over the last couple of weeks. And it starts with, like, you know, the reviews come out. The review, All of the reviews are incredibly... You know, passionately vocally in favor of the show our review included and a lot of it is based in the fact that like you know this is a show that very much taps into fears and emotions that a lot of women are feeling right now and it a lot of the reviews take a very strongly political perspective on this subject um so we've got that we've got that going into like the you know actual premiere and the round and the you know publicity surrounding that, so do you have a I feel like you're, you were just looking something up. Uh, is anything to add to that? Or
1: I think I'm in the next phase of the argument. Okay, so you should keep going.
0: Okay, so so that's phase one. Phase one is reviews come out. Very enthusiastic, very positive, very politically themed.
1: A lot of them note, including yours. Yours, I think, was the first. But a lot of them do note how terrifying the show is, in particular because of the political climate surrounding right. the, the release of it.
0: So, uh, phase two, we get into the publicity surrounding the show. We get into like d- them doing premiere events, the uh, most notably at uh, Tribeca last, as we record this last week. But you know, a couple of days. Beyond that, as you listen to this, um, and at Tribeca, and from from first from secondhand intelligence from people who were there, this sounds like it might have been an issue to do with issue resulting from the moderation of the panel that occurred after the screening. But basically, the. Stars and the creator kind of tried to push it toward push the conversation around the show away from oh this is an extraordinarily political feminist show to this is a human story of survival, and people took offense to that because this is a not the time when we want to like start you know. Backpedaling on stances necessarily,
1: nor the show that you'd want, even from the like the PR side of it, for them to start backing away from a stance.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like, and the thing about that positioning is that it, it can be seen very easily as a reaction to the fact that the initial like push around the show was extraordinarily political, extraordinarily powerful in that respect, and so. Um, on the back end, like you know, they they what Hulu wants and what everyone wants with with regards to the shows for people to watch it, mm-hmm. like that's the most important thing is that they want people to watch the show. And the idea is that by kind of maybe pulling the 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 easy assumption is that by pulling back on the political rhetoric, you might make the show seem more accessible to a wider audience.
1: Absolutely. That's that's a, a common marketing practice. I mean, it's there are occasions in which, you know, they can lean into the politics, but usually if you start playing that game, it comes back on you. This is a, a one of the rare exceptions, I would say, in which they need to accept the role thrust upon them. <laughs> and, and that's pretty much what's happening now. I mean, After, post-Tribeca, they have shifted gears yet again.
0: Yes, post Tribeca, now they're back to being, oh, that's right. We are a political show. We need to really lean into that.
1: There was a headline I saw where the creator said, This is absolutely a feminist show, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, he basically said, um, He said at the premiere, uh, uh, the Los Angeles premiere, which I was at uh, a couple of days ago. Um, this isn't, I don't want to make any sort of political statement. And then he said something I can't exactly recall the wording of, but it was incredibly vicious towards Trump. It was just like, you know, who's that fuck, you know, fucking dumb idiot in the White House right now? Like that sort of thing. Um, so, yeah, they've they've course corrected again on top of the original course correction. But it, it speaks to how, like, can't, do we need to be so explicit about the messaging at this stage? Do we – can't we is, – is it necessary for us – is it required that when we when we talk about dear white people, a show that is incredibly politically engaged, incredibly tied into certain events that are happening right now in the world, incredibly devoted to exploring black culture as it exists within white America, do we need to have like a thousand articles that say – this show is more relevant than ever.
1: I mean, yeah. (laughs) You think we do? Uh, I, I do. I, I do because I don't think people consume culture at large the way that we consume TV coverage. I think that Most people might read, if we're lucky, one or two reviews. That's fair. And if there's a thousand articles out there reviewing Dear White People, if they only read one or two of them, I hope that the article emphasizes the importance and the relevance of the show. Um, That being said, I don't want to see redundancies. And I think more to the point, I don't want to see anything reduced to one thing when it is the culmination of so many parts now dear white people it has always been a show that's invited this conversation in it is part of the conversation it is not just a show that exists and people comment on it is actively pursuing and pushing forward the conversation in a really beautiful way um, that being said if all we talk about is the conversation, then we're never gonna. Then we would never get to how amazing these performances is. Starting with uh, Logan Browning as right. the uh, lead, I'd say she's the lead. She, she, um, she, I think
0: she. I think she counts. Yeah,
1: for a show that has a new perspective, a, a, a different character every episode, she's got the most episodes, and she's arguably in it the most. But anyway, she's terrific, and they're all terrific, and we have to admire that acting. We have to admire the transition from film to TV that Justin Simeon did. We have to admire um, the direction from an array of wonderful directors. Barry Jenkins is going to get a lot of the attention for his fifth episode, which he deserves, Um, but there's so so much good work across the board, and there's so much to admire about the show, including that it's just a damn good show. Like, it's very addictive TV. Like, from a, from a strictly personal standpoint, they build up relationships and, and build characters so well that they feel grounded and authentic and endearing, and you love all of them, and you want to be, like, part of this group and hang out with them and, and, and live in the moment with them, and you are taken on this journey because of that. Um, that being said, again, I, I don't think you can ignore the number one priority of the show, which is to be progressive to be to have that conversation to, to push the relevancy uh, of this topic and make sure that people understand it especially because a lot of these are coming at it from a different way like everybody's you know they're, they're all going to come at the issue from a different way and it all comes back to you know equality and, and understanding and, and uh, you know kindness uh, Yeah. <laughs> just peace in general like you know not being an asshole I mean it boils down to a lot of different things but um but yeah, so I think that talking about it is important, especially if that's what they're inviting in. Uh, I think The Handmaid's Tale is an interesting example because of how they've been dancing around the issue, including with the repurposing of it. I mean, they released these character posters that literally have a lot of phrases in them from the movement, like from the Women's March and from a lot of things. Uh, there's the Ann Dowd poster. Shout out Ann Dowd. She's the best. Uh <laughs> This is not ordinary, like it's painted behind her. Uh, Elizabeth Moss' poster says uh, the future is a fucking nightmare. And I mean, <laughs> these, are, these are things that obviously can double as more than just posters for the show. This is a poster for the era. Um, and they're engaging with that. And I, I, I understand the idea of being exhausted from that conversation and wanting to just be able to look at TV and see it for what it is. Um, but right now I think we're still in the moment where it's hard to just see it as that. It's hard to just live in that moment, and the fact that people keep talking about it, I hope they talk about it in an interesting way that pushes the conversation forward rather than what you've noticed and how they just say, hey, it's really irrelevant. That makes it great. That's not exactly true, um, but, yeah, it's it's something that I'm not as turned off of or turned off by as you are.
0: No, and that's good, and I feel like and, and, and I fully own the fact that I might just – I might just be burned out. Like, I might just be tired. Like, and it's because we've been hearing this just in the post-Trump election era. Like, we've been hearing this for a long time. I will still never forget Lifetime at the TCAs in January pitching their remake of Beaches as, in a time like this, a story of female friendship is more relevant than ever. That that is essentially when I lost it. That is essentially when I kind of fair point uh, broke. Absolutely. Um, and
1: that's and, and that's kind of the thing. It's it's one it's one thing when the show like Dear White People invites it in, like the the content within the show and Netflix's uh, marketing for it. It's not really focused on that. It's it's focused on a lot that is involved with like that side of things, but it's also very much about the show and having fun and selling it as a comedy and all these things, um, but it is it is the marketing which is a big deal. Like kind of how you are introduced to the show matters. Um, so in that way, Liz, like if, if somebody's overusing this and manipulating it, that's a problem.
0: Well, and I feel like and I, yeah, and on the other hand, um, I feel like I, I definitely am. Che- I'm going to check my white privilege here, as as the kids might say, or as anyone should really say. But like. Mm. I think there's an interesting point to be made. Like I've heard, I've heard people of color talk about this online and in real life. But the idea that, you know, oh, are you are you tired of talking about racism? That's great. That's great for you, white person. Um, it's great that you have an opportunity to take a break from it. We live with that every day, and I, I fully acknowledge that I don't have that. I have that advantage of being able to like engage with culture on a level. Without like having to deal with racial issues, this is not going great for me, I don't think. But the point is is that
1: well the point the point that you're making isn't about that. It's not that you want to check out from the conversation, right. It's that you don't want the conversation to be forced upon things that don't apply. And and you don't want it to be manipulated and used. You don't want to be. You don't want anything to be the Pepsi ad of, of oh, this, of this thing. Oh, that's. I maybe like maybe you want that, to avoid the Pepsi ad syndrome, which is something that is being forced upon a lot of things. And Pepsi got a lot of shit for it, but it's used elsewhere. It's yeah. just not as overt, and it doesn't reach as many yeah. people. And it's, yeah. You
0: know. No, I mean we, we're getting we get emails all the time that thank you for that. Like it, it's but it's like we get emails all the time where it's like. You know, hey, pay attention to this episode of television because it tackles this issue. And it's, it's, thus, it's more important than ever.
1: And, and you can, and that's the thing. Like, we look at that and you've got to make a decision where you're like, all right, is, is this, is it possible that this show can do that? And, and is this episode really doing that? And then you watch it, you find out for yourself and you decide how, you know, worthy it is. And, I mean, there is, there's going to, there's going to be so much of this content, just like there's so much great TV in general right now. There's going to be so much of it that deals with, The world we're living in because TV has that kind of immediacy which is nice Um, and hopefully everybody can kind of seek out for themselves what it is and hopefully we're guiding you in a good way like we as reporters, as critics, as TV writers, we're pushing you in the right direction towards the best engagement of that and like what you were talking about Liz, again guys watch Dear White People, I, I assume again you've already finished it but the ending of it really speaks to that idea of of privilege and being able to check in and out of it and how some people don't have that option in a in a beautiful way. So yeah. Um, yeah.
0: No, and I think like the thing is, you know, we, we we do need to be engaged. We do need to be looking at these issues, especially because it's creating some amazing television right now. Like the the, the this is you know, we're in the midst of April and May. It hasn't killed us yet. We still got another month to go, but we aren't dead yet. We might die. At least we might still die, but you know.
1: Nah, we're fine. No sweat.
0: <laughs> no sweat. No sweat. No sweat. As
1: long as the leftovers are on the air, everything's good.
0: Yeah. How many? How many Netflix premieres coming up in May? There. Well, there's one every week. Well, yeah, more than one every week.
1: But only one I care about every week. Actually, less than that.
0: <laughs> Which ones don't you care about? I don't
1: care about Sense Eight.
0: That's mean. No, it isn't. It's a good show.
1: It's fine. I don't need to care about it. Mm. You care about it,
0: yeah, that's true. I don't need to. I get all the weird ones, yeah, you like them. I do like them. It's actually funny. like I was thinking like, man, if I could just like for my birthday, it would be fun to like just recommend one thing for everyone to watch, like just like one thing I feel like everyone should definitely watch. And then I was thinking about all my favorites and I was like, there's 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 no all the things I really genuinely love like. I, I I love her I love because I I love them personally and I don't know if there's anything universally across the board. I would say you absolutely everyone absolutely has to watch. Even The Handmaid's Tale, which I think is an extraordinary piece of work, um, is something where I'm like I recommend it with caveats. <laughs> it's hard viewing.
1: I yeah I under, I understand this this quandary. Yes, I've been living in it for three years.
0: Except for you know. Everyone should watch The Leftovers. Well,
1: yeah. That's what I've come back to because when I had, when you introduce caveats, then some people will accept that and say, okay, I don't need to see it. Yeah. That doesn't apply anymore. And then they lose viewership in general. So everybody watch it and decide for yourself. Check your caveats at the door. Yeah. Watch The Handmaid's Tale. Do it. You should. Liz is going to blanket coverage that beast.
0: I got a lot more to say. Got some pieces to write.
1: Apparently there are some uh, beautiful recaps, which IndieWire doesn't write, so I'm comfortable recommending them elsewhere. Some very beautiful recaps at Vulture uh, from someone who is, is taking uh, The Handmaid's Tale extremely personally and letting out some feelings. Uh, I've seen a lot of recommendations over the last two days. So check my... I
0: know how I feel about this,
1: Ben. Well, I'm just... We don't write recaps. I don't... Mm-hmm. I'm comfortable recommending them to other people. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're personal. Because then they're not, probably not a recap. Well, we were, I mean, we're
0: not allowed to write things personally, so. Fact. Yeah. That's not true. We're allowed to be personal in our writing. But, you know, we try to we try to keep it keep it on. on, on.
1: <laughs> I mean, I am weeping every time I write a Leftovers review.
0: I, I, I cried when I wrote my Handmaid's Tale review. Just,
1: just keys are breaking. Yep. Computers shutting down. I'm like, no, keep going. Just one more sentence. <laughs> oh I need 2,000 words.
0: Then when you write your... Review of the series finale of The Leftovers. Will you have? Could you just like film like portions of your writing process?
1: I feel like it'll look like Winona Ryder at the SAGs during that speech. <laughs> but I really think it'll cover the emotional spectrum fully. Uh. So I don't know if I need to record it myself. <laughs> you
0: just, just just have that gif handy. You
1: know, I can refer people to the video.
0: Maybe if you wore the wig, like a Winona wig.
1: I don't want to be, I don't want to take myself out of it. I'm, I, I'm The Leftovers finale is going to be a very personal experience. So I don't
0: know. No, I, I fully respect that.
1: There will be no outstanding circumstances. It will be me and this beautiful show, which is perfect. <laughs> guys, we're only in week three. Well, Yeah, we're still, you guys just saw episode three. That's fine. God damn it! I'm I'm done.
0: Ben and I have a problem with episode three. No,
1: Liz has a problem, (laughs) and eventually, and by eventually, I mean at this moment as you're listening to it, people have already informed her how wrong she is.
0: I'm just saying, I have have characters I like a lot more than Kevin Senior. Idiot!
1: You're insane. You can like characters more, but you can't freaking throw away Kevin Senior.
0: I'm not throwing him away. You're
1: throwing him away. You are throwing away Lindsay Duncan, star of About Time.
0: (laughs) Lindsay Duncan is not the star of About Time. She's one of them. I actually didn't know that she was in About Time. Oh, my God.
1: All right. Well, now Liz has rendered all of her opinions moot. Thank you, Liz, for doing that after we spent a long time trying to work through all these important feelings and opinions we had. Now they don't matter. No one needed to listen to begin with.
0: Hooray. Hey, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week?
1: Fucking destruction of Elizabeth Miller. Um, <laughs> I mean, the best thing I watched last week is The Leftovers. It's always going to be The Leftovers. It's the next thing can... I'm looking forward to is The Leftovers. The best thing I watched is The Leftovers. All right, uh, where number two. What was, oh, the se- what was the second? Dear White People. We just talked about it. Um, I'll go to the third slot. I'll go to Catastrophe. Um, ah. Good God, Catastrophe. Um, I actually... There was a, there, uh, Maybe I can talk about it this way. There was a scenario when I wrote the review in which I had screeners, and I got through the first four, and then the screener link broke, so I couldn't see the last two. Yeah. Since I was on a deadline, I had to start writing the review. I did this. I got through most of the review. As I was finishing the review, I got access again, um, and I watched the last two episodes as I completed the review. Um, it's a glowing review. It's a great show. It's a wonderful season. A lot changes <laughs> in that last episode. Um,
0: so you're glad you watched it.
1: I'm very, Well, I'm, I'm glad I watched it. I didn't have to change the review except for one very crucial sentence. Uh, but I, I think I, I don't – I'd say if you have already started the show, then you're prepared enough for the season you'll be fine. Um, if you have never started the show and you're going to binge 18 episodes, good fucking luck is all I have to say to you. Uh, this is an interesting example most comedies i feel you can kind of are more bingeable like they're more accessible to binge for people even who want to wait weekly um i'd say dear white people is probably another one where you want to take your time a little bit but um catastrophe catastrophe is like the leftovers of half hour comedies <laughs> like you need to space these things out right it's it's important so uh not saying it's a tragedy by any means. I'm just say, just saying, it's important to kind of digest Self-care. what's gone through. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, it's great. It's a perfect show. It continues to be perfect. Sharon Horgan is perfect. Um, Liz, best thing you watched last week?
0: Well, I want to say I'm going to say, dear white people.
1: It was the leftovers. Okay, we'll continue.
0: Um, dear white people is amazing. I also thoroughly enjoyed, as you will read on IndieWire, uh, Sensate, which is a show that's hard to talk about without getting any sort of specifics, which I won't do. Because
1: it doesn't make sense. Sensate makes no sense. What? Shit.
0: But it's so much fun. Well. It's like a show where if you poke at it too hard, you're not going to have any fun. And it's a fun (laughs) show. You
1: know, earlier I had a great conversation about how anti-intellectualism has taken over America since basically reagan uh this is a very good example of it My love is Sensei. yeah it's like well if, if no the argument that if you if you if you think about something too hard and then you're not gonna like it it's like well okay i just i literally have to be dumb to appreciate the show that that's not that's not even true liz Sensei's smarter than that
0: let the mystery be ben
1: no that's not that is not applicable here that's not oh my god <laughs>
0: But uh, actually, I want to shout out. Uh, I'm gonna. Sh- I'm gonna do. So- if you think you're bad now, wait until I say this. I'm
1: muting you. How do I do this?
0: <laughs> um, I finished watching Girl Boss.
1: Fuck. How do I turn this off? <laughs>
0: um, if you actually turn this off, we're gonna be in trouble.
1: Figured it out, guys. I muted her. Girl Boss is not very good. I, I don't know what Liz is gonna say. I've finished it. There's one episode in it that's. I, I really okay. admired the the creativity of how they made it. Which um, episode? Liz just asked which episode it is. Uh, it's I think it's the tenth episode. It involves online chat, and they do oh, a, yeah, that was fun. a. Liz is saying it's fun. They, they did a, like a kind of a visual presentation of of how the difference between, you know. <laughs> Typing something online in a chat room versus how you would actually have a conversation with somebody—the emotional difference—they they visually represent that quite well. They do a couple of cutesy things that are incredibly annoying and get in the way of that message, but that is just not otherwise, show
0: for not agreeing
1: with him about the OC. Liz made a note about the OC, which is referenced on Girl Boss. Um, they do just fucking brutalize the OC. They don't. They have no idea. They, I don't, I don't think whoever watched it wrote about it. I don't know how they must have just looked at IMDb to find something to reference because it, they, it was well they made one very good reference anyway. All right, I'm gonna bring Liz back up, but remember, Girl Boss is not very good. Don't watch it.
0: You actually muted me.
1: Good lord, you're a wang. You're back on. You're such a jerk.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> I liked Girl Boss. It was fun a nice watch i didn't i didn't i wasn't really like you know fully like engaged with it all the time
1: yeah just don't poke at it too hard and it's fine <laughs> don't, don't think <laughs> about it
0: no it's just i i just feel like it was it, they, they did some fun stuff and i liked uh i liked the uh the female friendship at the center of it brit's great brit's great i like her friend too
1: yeah they're great too
0: so uh what's the next thing you're looking forward to ben
1: i mean the leftovers um is there anything else? No. For you. You, you were saying that there's a bunch of stuff coming out.
0: I I, I know what I'm looking forward to because I'm able to, like, care about multiple things at once.
1: What are you looking forward to? I care about multiple things. I'm Leftovers looking forward to Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Oh, yes.
0: I have screeners for that now, so I'm going to watch them. Me too. It's going to be great.
1: Well, we'll see.
0: Hopefully. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very, like, it, it, I think Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt Season 3 is going to be a really interesting season of television. Um, I might actually go back and rewatch season two first before I before I dig in because I think season two, in retrospect, I don't think was as strong as I made might have thought at first. Like
1: uh, we literally had an argument about whether which season was better, one or two, and I said two, and you said one. Yeah, I think and that was when it came out. Yeah, So I think your position remains.
0: Yeah. And I, I, I need a, I need a, but I think season three will, is kind of a make or break season, but I'm very excited to see if it makes or break it. Makes or breaks it. That's what I meant to say just then.
1: Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it'll do either. I think it'll still be good.
0: I just think it's going to be a solid, steady show. It's
1: still going to be a B plus A minus show. It's going to be great.
0: Yeah. Hey, B pluses.
1: No more Bs. No more Bs.
0: Ben, ben doesn't want us to ha- give any shows Bs anymore.
1: I've officially declared that I am only allowed to give Bs. No one else on staff can give Bs anymore.
0: Wait, no, that's not the rule I yeah, heard. Yeah, that's what it is. That's not going to stand. Yes, it is. It's already st- not stood at least once. What'd you do? Sensei got a B plus.
1: Jesus Christ. <laughs> Knocking that thing down to a C.
0: No, you are not. Yep.
1: Nope. I'm even going to petition <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes to fix it.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm going to break your computer and Uh, then murder you. That
1: won't stop me. (laughs) I am Kevin.
0: (laughs) I thought you weren't worthy of being Kevin. I mean, I'm not. I get confused about these things. Anyways, the point is you're going to be able to read it I'm
1: looking forward to Master of None, I think.
0: Okay. Finally, you have something else to say besides the leftovers.
1: Oh, you're right. I am looking forward to the leftovers. Good (laughs) catch. You already said that. Good catch. All right. Let's continue.
0: All right. So you're looking forward to Master of None. You're right to do so.
1: Well, the leftovers, but sure, that one too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad you have something to look forward to that isn't just a show about despair and pain.
1: No, I mean the leftovers is funny, but it is about despair and pain. So I wouldn't say that.
0: No, I am saying I'm talking I'm saying you have also Master of None to look forward to.
1: Oh, no. I I crossed that off. It's leftovers. You're right. <laughs> you corrected me. <laughs> leftovers.
0: Well, you'll be able to read all about the leftovers and more at IndieWire.com. Mm.
1: Mm. Not, we're not promising more. That's, all right, continue.
0: Uh, but you can read all about the leftovers at the very least on IndieWire.com.
1: What? i got to think about that statement. If you want to listen to podcasts that aren't about the leftovers, first of all, God help you. Second of all, uh, we've got a few, not many. We've got Screen Talk with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson, though I think Ann is a secret. Leftovers fan, I'm pretty sure she she's constantly thinking about Amy Brenneman, always worried about Lori, and just very invested in that storyline. Um, you think
0: you think Anne's a Lori person? Yes. Oh, I see it.
1: Eric is absolutely a Reverend Matt person, hundred percent. Who am I? You're. I you're probably like Jill or. or Whoa. Tommy.
0: Whoa. <laughs> Whoa! I'm offended by that.
1: Well, I don't think you should be because every character in Leftovers is great. That's a weird thing for you to say. Um, Chris O'Fault also hosts the Filmmaker Toolkit podcast if you want to learn about how other people make other movies that aren't The Leftovers, but those rules and lessons and education could be applied to making a show like The Leftovers. Uh, also, Chris is probably... Oh, he's, he's an Erica guy for sure. Yeah? Yeah. He's a big Erica guy. Interesting. And then we've got, of course, Michael Schneider with the Turn It On podcast. Uh, I'm pretty sure his guest list next week is Damon Lindelof, Justin Theroux, Carrie Coon, uh, and Tom Parada. I think that's the next four weeks, actually. Sorry, I misspoke. So if you want to hear some good Leftovers content, make sure you listen to Turn It On with Michael Schneider. He's absolutely – I mean, Liz, you know who Michael is.
0: I want to hear you say it. You don't know who Mike. I don't is. know who this he is. is. This, is just, this is very
1: disappointing. He's a Nora. He's a hundred percent a Nora.
0: He 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 actually. I heard him talk to Carrie Coon about how he takes her, Nora's storyline very personally. Yeah,
1: I know. He's he's a Nora. That's God, all no,
0: right. No, I agree. I, I'm I'm just I'm just not comfortable assigning like a person's a person's soul to another character without their consent.
1: I'm not saying that, that Michael lives out Nora's life. I'm, I'm telling you who they care about, like who their people are in the show because everybody's got their people. Right. You know? Everybody's got their people. Fair enough. Everybody's got their family.
0: Mm. You can <laughs> find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers.
1: You can find Liz on Twitter. I have no idea why you'd want to. At Lizlet, that's with an I and an E. Just kidding, Liz. Everybody should follow you. Happy birthday.
0: Aw, thank you, thank you. You've only been trash talking me for ten minutes straight. Well, you
1: you started, Liz. You push the button. You can't push the button, and then just expect nothing to happen.
0: That's true. That, it is all my fault.
1: By the way, speaking of you know the most horrible man in the world, did you see this the lead that was written about uh, somebody did an interview with Dick Bag McGee, who's in the White House. And he saw a red button on the desk. And he goes, "Is that's not the nuke button, is it? And Dick Bag McGee, he says, oh, no, no, no. And he pushes the button. And then they brought in a round of Coca-Colas. And then he said to the guy, he said, people get really nervous when I push that button.
0: What a fun gentleman. Yeah. So glad he's president.
1: Dick Bag McGee.
0: We'll be back next week. As always, you guys. Thank you for listening and keep watching television.